The Hawaii Sports Radio Network on 95.1 FM and AM 760 presents Wake Up in the Den with Kuwale Agbayani. Good morning, beautiful people. It's Wake Up in the Den. I am Kule Agbayani alongside Paul Breck. Happy Aloha Friday. Wow, this week went by fast, and it is officially February 2nd. I think I forgot to mention that yesterday, that it was officially February 1st, so we're already one month through 2024. That is crazy to me. I'm like, my mind is, oh my gosh, can we slow down already? We just started, but can we slow down, please? But it's it's like when we work in sports and do what we do, it's like you want it to slow down, but you don't because now football season's coming to an end, so you're like, can we speed up so that we can get to football season in the fall, but no, regular day lives. Can we slow down? I don't know. It's it's like a double-edged sword no matter what. But speaking of football, we're going to get to a lot of just little tidbit of news for football. Also, we talked about it. Well, not really talked about it. We briefly mentioned that all the coaching vacancies have been filled in the NFL. So we'll kind of talk about those um, jobs a little bit more and how it correlates to the NFL or relates to the NFL draft anyways with some of the coaches getting high picks, some coaches not even having to worry about certain positions, certain important positions. Um, And then later on in the show, we will also get to some UH and HPU basketball. Big win for the Rainbow Wahine last night, considering that they were out a couple of key players. Uh, But we will hear briefly from Coach Laura Beeman and also from a couple of players, including Deja Phillips, who did phenomenal last night, and Melani McBee as well in their post-game media interviews from last night. So a lot of stuff. Men also got a win on the road. Wanted to make us worry about it a little bit. Actually, first wanted to make us be like, oh, this is so much fun. And then they wanted to do what they usually do and make us worry about it (laughs) a little bit down the stretch. But nonetheless, a win is a win. And both teams have really big games on Saturday. But again, we'll get to that a little later. All right. So a couple of things. We'll start off with some UH football. Because I know for all of the people that still really care, <laughs> Warrior, our friends at Warrior All Access uh, just tweeted this morning that former University of Hawaii head coach June Jones has been spotted at practice. And not just spotted, but standing like on the football field. So he is there. We all know that officially on the coaching staff are coaches that used to be on June Jones's staff in Dan Morrison and Jeff Reinbold. But nonetheless, for all of the people that really, really love June Jones and want him or wanted him, probably still want him to be the head coach. I know there's still some people out there. You guys know I'm not one of them. But for those that are wanting him back, he's somewhat back. He was he was there at spring ball. As you guys know, spring ball going on right now, practices 7 to 9 a.m. on most weekdays, open to the public. So there you have it. Be happy, folks, for all of you guys that have cared about June Jones, uh, air quotes, Coming back. <laughs> <laughs> I really like seeing this type of stuff, though, because you mentioned it, a bunch of coaches that were on June Jones' staff on this staff, and there's it's a continuation of that experience coming back, right? Where it shows that Timmy Chang, that this coaching staff, that these guys, they don't take issue with getting additional help, getting... Mm-hmm people who have been there, who have seen things, who might see things from a different angle, different seat, 
listening to them and getting their perspective on things. That's it's important to winning football games to be able to think through everything. And to do that, you bring in different minds. And June Jones, I'm sure we can make jokes all we want, but June Jones was a phenomenal football coach mm-hmm. here for a long, long time. And I'm sure he still is. I'm right. I'm sure he's still a great football coach. But like he he got it done here in Hawaii, which it is a tough enough task as it is. We talked about it a lot on this show, how difficult it is to recruit to the islands and all, so on and so forth. So it's a guy who knows how to win here as well. So it just it continues what has been a really good trend from Timmy Chang's staff of bringing in coaches, even maybe not full time, just to come take in practice and be like, oh, here's what I saw, because that helps longer term down the line a hundred percent because you know we talk about and i've said it a lot before where june jones he's done he did a lot for the program back during that sugar bowl run and everything but you know the times are changing in college football and i think what timmy chang brings with you know he's really a player's coach including other coaches on his coaching staff like you have chris brown who is really his right hand man now as associate head coach they're good for this program that we have now. But the game itself has not changed. It's still, yeah, okay, there's a few rule changes here and there. But the game itself has not changed. So to have your veteran coaches like June, again, he can very much give you good insight because that's the big chunk. The most important part of college football is that the actual game itself, you still have the same amount of players on the field at one time, the same positions. Sure, schemes have changed slightly, but... You see the football game and the plays the same and the players the same. So, yeah, for Timmy to be welcoming of his former coach coming in and I'm sure sharing his insight is only going to make us better. But as long as it remains that Timmy Chang is at the helm and I know he is like he's not someone who mess arounds with this job. He wants to succeed. He knows it all falls on him. So 100 percent, I know he's not going to let anyone influence him in a way that he's going to be lose his leadership so yeah this is timmy chang's program it's only gonna that, help that was never a worry about this this is very much so just timmy continuing his journey as a young head coach learning the ropes learning what to do each off season each spring training each going going forward it's him trying to be better so it, this is a continuous nice thing to see where Hawaii's football program continues to bring in people who have been involved in the program in the past, especially with success with the program in the past, to come help out with this group. Because there are expectations with this group, whether it be from the outside or even from the inside. Listen to, we have the availability up on our YouTube page, uh, Hawaii Sports Radio Network, where it's that first day of practice, and even after that, you can hear Cam Stone talk about how, you know, we're this is my last year. I'm, you know, there there's a little extra this time around, and it feels like we got the horses to really compete and the the people in the room to really compete, and that includes the coaching staff that they added as well. So I'm excited for this year. I'm excited to see that Timmy Chang, the young head coach, continues to try and improve himself just the same way that young players try to. And if I'm a Hawaii football fan, that is such an encouraging thing that my HC doesn't think he knows everything, (laughs) but has the confidence still to lead 
the men in the room. Yeah. Speaking of this program and people that were a part of this program, another interesting uh, tidbit that I need to tell all of you beautiful people is when you look over at the San Jose State coaching staff now. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So they started posting yesterday. They started posting all of their coaching hires. So we already know that their new head coach at San Jose State is Ken Yamatololo, former Hawaii guy. Uh, and then Craig Stutzman got hired over there as well as the offensive coordinator. Obviously, everyone is very familiar with Craig Stutzman. So they started posting about some of their you know, position coaches that are recently hired. John Estes has been hired as their defensive line coach, former Hawaii player as well. Uh, one of the other ones we were talking about, Stutzman, Billy Ray Stutzman has been hired at San Jose State as well as the senior defensive, oh, excuse me, offensive analyst. <laughs> like, why is this starting to look like the Hawaii football coaching staff? It's hilarious that, I mean, it's like, it's San Jose State. Like, you guys, where there can only be one Hawaii in the world. So, and I say that in jest because it's not so much hiring the football coaches. Obviously, there are only so many jobs open at one place and I support and encourage all the opportunities that former University of Hawaii football players or former, you know, people that are from Hawaii get these big coaching jobs. So I say it in jest though, because when they had Shevin on the team, they made like this whole like Ohana thing and the lay and they were just a little too It's funny. Over it was like a little too overboard where you're like and that's why I tease them about um excuse me, I got it. I couldn't, the words, I read it wrong. John Estes, some of you were like, because even when I read it out loud, I was like, John Estes, defensive line, offensive line, excuse me. Uh, makes a little he, more sense. Yeah, so I was like, wait, that makes no sense, but the lettering was so small, I couldn't read it properly. Now I zoomed it uh, uh, bigger. But anyways, so if you guys were keeping track of San Jose State social media while Shevin was there, it was just a lot of like Lay and Ohana and yada, yada, yada. And I get it, but... There's only one University of Hawaii. There's only one Hawaii State. So, again, it has nothing to do with the coaches being hired there. But I just jokingly bring it up because I'm like San Jose State, like really trying to trying hard to be the University of Hawaii. Well, jokes on them because there can only be one. But I just thought I'd share that with you guys because I thought it was interesting that a lot of the coaching makeup are former University of Hawaii football players, just like what we are seeing here at the University of Hawaii. So nothing nothing wrong. Again, no. don't, 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 what I'm joking about. And All in jest. Saying it has nothing to do with these coaches and former UH players getting the opportunity because that's all we want. Like we want everyone to be successful. But I just think leading off of how they started last year when Shevin was there to now, it's just, it's I funny. mean, you just want to copy us and you want to be Hawaii, but you can never actually be Hawaii. It's Hawaii West Coast. It's just going to feel that much better when we beat them, not this season, but next season. So Hawaii, California flagship. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, it, you know, it's all in jest. Yeah, you know, it's, it's all very, in jest. Like you said, so, so cool to continue to see people from the University of Hawaii and people from Hawaii in general yeah. just getting opportunities on the mainland, especially considering that that's something that I, I feel like sometimes the people of Hawaii can get forgotten. So it's nice to see them kind of making their inroads over there on the mainland, even as much as they may want to be us here in Hawaii. Yeah, so sorry. These can never be us, but we wish you all the best, at least in 2024, since 
Well, Until actually, we no. See you in the well, yeah, West I was gonna say game. we're gonna play them in the Mountain West Championship game, so that'll be fun. It'll be like a Hawaii. It's a Hawaii v, Bowl first. Hawaii number one versus Hawaii number two, and that'll <laughs> that'll be the makeup of everything. Hawaii versus Hawaii Bowl Junior. <laughs> All right. When we come back, I'm uh, gonna talk some NFL and dive into the coaches that have been hired and take a look at where their teams are picking in the draft because you know what Super Bowl hasn't even gotten here yet but it's never too early to start talking about the NFL draft so we'll be right back to continue our football talk on wake up in the den wake up in the den with Kule Ogbiani on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network 95.1 FM and AM 760 Welcome back to Wake Up in the Den, Kule Ogbayani and Paul Brecht. All right, one more thing about that San Jose State stuff. Just so people know that I'm like, why I'm joking about them trying to be like us. So, like, they made this graphic. It just looks so funny because, okay, so we need to find out who she's followed by, though. But the one of the new director of player personnel, either is she... What picture did you see, Paul? Was she when she was with University oh, of Hawaii oh, athletes? Oh. So she, she worked with Stanford last year. Got it. Uh, okay. That I had seen, and with that being said, she had a couple of um, Hawaii football players. I oh, think from it. last year that that it looked like she had worked with uh, before. I think one was Justin Sinclair. I'm going back to the picture now. Of course, yeah, I, I had no worries, no closed worries. out. I just didn't X. want it. If she did have an actual direct to Hawaii ties, I just wanted to mention it, but because I'm re- referencing her social media. But anyways, uh, Becca Perez, who is yeah their new director of player personnel, uh, she had posted this graphic, obviously created by San Jose State football. So it basically has like this looks what looks like an island and there's water and there's like a san jose state logo that has like tribal uh overlay on it and it says aloha friday with the spartan um helmet logo as the o in aloha and then her caption is it's aloha friday another day to be great and spread aloha but then it says hashtag this is sparta it's just funny that's what i mean you guys when i was trying to like poke fun at them for trying to be like us because clearly they're the knockoff version of actually playing for the University of Hawaii and now that they have all the coaches there. So once again, not a knock on the actual coaches, just a knock at the uh, marketing efforts of San Jose State and wanting to do this whole Hawaii Aloha thing to the point that it's funny, it's funny, but also borderline annoying because you're not Hawaii. It's okay to spread Aloha, obviously, but they go above and beyond with but their not us, bro. Aloha Friday and Spartan with the tribal because uh, last time I checked, we don't not have Spartans here and we never did. So <laughs> we will continue to make jokes about this as long as we go ahead. It's Aloha Friday. <laughs> it is Aloha Friday. I found the picture, by the way. It's Damari Blanks and Justin Sinclair, both of whom I believe she was working with uh, either at the JUCO level or something along got those it, lines. Because her, her journey has certainly been almost comparable to our Savannah Ryer, where it's like yeah. working your way up through the ranks as best you can. 
uh, it looks like that's what our friend Becca Perez is doing as well. So shout out to her, even if she does, uh, she's she's ripping our Aloha Friday a little bit hey. here. You know, I, I suppose she might have had it first at times. <laughs> yeah, women in hashtag women in football. You go get it, girl. Yeah, but women in sports. We we'll, love it. We'll continue to just uh, just joke about that. But I just wanted to kind of paint the picture for you guys that don't follow them on social media and will are wondering why I'm joking so hard about San Jose State is because they're just trying to be so much like Hawaii, but they can't. So, um, <laughs> again, when we beat them in the Mountain West Championship uh, this coming season, it'll be all that much more glorious so we can prove who the real Hawaii is. And then when we beat them in the regular season in 2025, it'll be even that much sweeter. Woohoo! Go Bows. All right. Let's go. Let's go. Bows. Okay. Going back to now, uh, going further down the football field, talking a little NFL, went through the hirings yesterday as the final coaching vacancy had been filled by Dan Quinn going to the Washington Commanders, which was interesting, but <laughs> nonetheless, the so the Seahawks, to recap once again, Seahawks have Mike McDaniel, the youngest head coach now, uh, Falcons, Raheem Morris, the Panthers, Dave Canellis, the Chargers, Jim Harbaugh, Titans, get Ryan Call- Callahan, Raiders, Antonio Pierce, Patriots, Gerard Mayo. And if you took take a look at the draft order, well, we mentioned before that Jim Harbaugh pretty much did, he got the sweet spot where he has a franchise quarterback. He is a former quarterback himself. He's an offensive guy. He has, There's a ton of young talent there with the LA Chargers. So that's pretty much the both sides winning in that situation. And it'll be one of those things where if they do not do well next year like the expectation is really high i have high expectations for the la chargers next season and if they don't do well the chargers can't be be charging next year yeah (laughs) yeah exactly they can't have the how they've had their seasons under brandon staley so they're set but if you look at hey like we mentioned dan quinn obviously they need a quarterback according to the nfl mock draft their biggest needs are quarterback edge offensive tackle, wide receiver, and linebackers. Uh, So they're picking number two overall. Would this be a situation that the Chicago Bears could potentially maybe trade back ever so slightly as much as I am on the Caleb Williams train? The... It's so funny because there's like this whole debate on Bear social media because the Bears social media team likes to post a lot of Justin Fields things. And so everyone's like, what does this mean? And then I'm like, yeah, because the front office is totally sharing with their social media team that they're keeping Justin Fields. Like, I get it, but I think some people are reading too much into it. We don't know what's going to happen, but should they maybe keep Justin Fields and get another quarterback in this draft class that isn't Caleb Williams, but then you can get a lot of stuff in return by letting Washington have their pick would be interesting. But nonetheless, Dan Quinn, though, being the defensive guy, and we, Paul and I talked about this before, where defensive guy, could he potentially have a say in making the correct decision with what they do in the draft? But nonetheless, he gets into a pretty sweet spot where they are posed to pick seconds in the NFL draft, potentially get draft aid by the Chicago Bears and be up there to pick first. And then everyone, another question of obviously is, what happened to the whole Eric Bieniemy thing? Yeah. Um, There's a lot of question marks in Washington right now, which is weird considering that they sold the team and it was already toxic and now just a lot of question marks in Washington. 
Yeah, I was surprised by the Dan Quinn hiring. Um, not because Dan Quinn is not a phenomenal football coach. I've actually been shocked that it took him this long to get a head coaching role. Yeah, uh, I would have thought that he would have gotten it. Right, I would have thought he would have gotten it a while ago. Honestly, I thought that's who Seattle was going to go with mm. to replace Pete Carroll. Um, but that being said, it is curious because it felt like they had to pivot very quickly. I think they really wanted Ben Johnson the offensive coordinator for the Lions there, and when Johnson mm-hmm. took his name off the market, they pivoted very quickly, and they went to a guy who they they know has been able to build before in Dan Quinn. So that's in itself a good pick. I, it was definitely something. So Ben Johnson is another is a good example, but it was something because Dan Quinn, being that he was with the Dallas Cowboys was technically done with his season for a while. And so the fact that it didn't come immediately or soon after being out of the playoffs, that's when you know, all right, there was something that was being decided. Yeah, exactly. That's the best way to put it. Dan Quinn wasn't their first choice, yes. And once again, that is not to say that Dan Quinn is not a phenomenal football coach, that he can't do a great job over in Washington when they get Drake May or uh, Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams to Washington, I will say, would be cool just because he's from that area and mm. hometown kid coming back to kind of save the commanders and whatever. Oh God, Drake, I need to go back and I need to watch these highlights so that I can get on, like, start <laughs> understanding <laughs> Mr. Drake Paul May. Brecht here and the Drake May. <laughs> well, so Drake May, uh, he he's a good time. Uh, he's a good time player anyway, but one of those two players will end up in Washington. The yeah. first two picks in the draft will be quarterback. Whether the Bears are one of the teams picking a quarterback will remain to be seen. I would imagine that they will be not because Justin Fields isn't an NFL quarterback. Yeah. He'll go somewhere. I think he'll be in Atlanta. That's my prediction at this moment. Once again, he's Georgia guy. Whatever. Um, well, see, this is where I don't... I can't wrap my head around how... or well, like, why NFL teams are so stuck on just... Let's get a top quarterback and not even have anybody else as a, a backup. Yeah, it, it's tough. Quarterback play right now in the NFL, I think we're seeing a lot of... I'll say it. It's just bad quarterback play. Like, if you look around the NFL, there's probably 16 quarterbacks you feel okay about tossing out there at any given time to win you a football game. 16 quarterbacks you feel, okay, they might give me a chance, and then everything else, you're not really sure. And those 16 that might give you a chance, a lot of times, a lot of them are getting signed as backups. Your Teddy Bridgewaters or your your jo- – I know he retired, but Josh McCown – so on and so forth where, I don't know, the quarterback play right now is not exactly great. So kind of to build off your point, I agree. I It's weird to see so many teams be like, oh, rookie quarterback, rookie quarterback, top quarterback, top quarterback. Top. Yeah, let's and, assume and then he's going to start. Yeah, and it's be like, hey, start from day one and be great. And yeah. that, like there are cases like that. You see it sometimes. Yeah. But, I mean – Look at Jordan Love in Green Bay. Look at Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. Look at a lot of quarterbacks who aren't stri- – I mean, Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy didn't start mm-hmm. day one either. Like, it it takes a little bit of time sitting on the Speaking bench. Speaking of, did you see that video of Which? Mike Shanahan telling – oh, shoot, what's his name, the owner of the Niners? Mara. No, that's the Giants, that's the Giants. owner. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Whatever. The, the 49ers. Yeah, 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 yeah. I would assume. 
I don't know. Anyways, so he was addressing the media and basically said Mike Shanahan told him that Brock Purdy is going to be a better quarterback than Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo back then. And it was just like, and so Mike Shanahan already had like the, or Kyle, excuse me, had like the, the, in, the, input. the input and the, I guess, persistence and knew what he saw in Brock Purdy that he was going to, so that's kind of a reason why that they picked him up as the final pick of the draft because he saw something that made him believe that, hey, this kid it has the tools to be better than what we have, that what we almost like spent all, I'm sure as an owner, you don't want to hear that, that, hey, we pretty much got this guy for free and you're telling me that he's going to be better. But I thought that was interesting. If you guys didn't see it, go look it up because it's, it's pretty cool. And it's pretty cool that an owner will admit to that, that he was told by his head coach that, hey, you pretty much. We got this. Waste, not wasted your money, but trust me, this guy is going to be worth more in the long run than these guys that are we're spending a lot on right now. <laughs> I giggle at it just because, like, the two quarterbacks that were named right there, Trey Lance was a third-string quarterback this entire season. Duh, he's he's not that good. Whatever. Like, he never got a chance to be developed. He never was developed. He's not that good of a quarterback in the NFL. And then Jimmy Garoppolo was the ultimate game manager, the ultimate middle ground. Don't so, say game manager. I, he is a game manager. Sue me. <laughs> uh, but, but, like, it's funny because I see here and it's like, I mean... Brock Purdy just needed to be like better than slightly average yeah. to be to be better than those two. Oh. And once again, to be totally fair, he was the last pick in the draft, Mr. Irrelevant. That is not the expectation whatsoever. And quarterbacks are the most fickle and wishy-washy position of any in football where it's like you you can look at any and every number and film and at the end of the day they could still bust or boom. Just off some randomness. So, okay. Oh, so it was, so it was during rookie camp. Kyle Shanahan knew Brock Purdy would become San Francisco's quarterback. So Jed York, yeah, pretty much told the media that that Kyle Shanahan was very adamant about Brock Purdy is like being their quarterback. So again, that I thought that was a funny clip that went pretty viral. Sam Darnold still considering. better. Just saying. <laughs> Sam Darnold is not still. He is still better. <laughs> Just kidding. Cool. He's going to win even... Super Bowl MVP. Oh, my gosh. That's he hilarious. has odds. All right. So when we wrap this up, now that we... <laughs> Goes like, get past so this. Get past other... this. <laughs> no, well, no, because I want to try to finish, recap for all of our friends with what we said where all the uh, teams with new head coaches are in the draft. So this is the other thing with Jim Harbaugh as well. You already have a quarterback, and you have the number one, or number one, number five overall pick. Heading into the NFL draft. Not too shabby there. New England yeah. Patriots. Gerard Mayo gets the number three overall pick. I know Paul Breck likes to hear that very, very much. Uh, the Tennessee Titans with Brian Callahan are at pick number seven. Ooh, look, the Chicago Bears again. <laughs> <laughs> the Las Vegas Raiders under former interim and now new head coach Antonio Pierce are picking number 13 overall. Who am I missing? That all that are in the first round. Um, well, uh, yeah, I guess because I mean I know Carolina obviously they right Carolina uh, thank traded you. theirs. Thank you very much, Carolina, for the chic- <laughs> from Chicago. Um, yeah, whatever. The 
there are some really good picks for these new head coaches. You're going to see quarterback, 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 probably in your top three. Um, oh, excuse me. Falcons. That's someone else. Oh, yeah. The Falcons. Number eight. Shout out the Falcons, by the way. Finally getting rid of Arthur Smith, the fantasy football Gosh. game wrecker. <laughs> that that is Arthur Smith, who I think got hired as the Steelers' offensive coordinator this past week. Uh, so, I good luck to the Steelers. I don't know. He's actually a good offensive coordinator, and not not as much a head coach, but whatever. Um, I'm excited to see Harbaugh is going to get a chance at a primo wide receiver. Our boy Roma oh Dunze God. is primed to go somewhere right in that spot. Whether it's Malik Neighbors, also if Marv Harrison drops to that point, I would be shocked. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are, there are so many storylines so going on. In. So chargers better not charger next year. And I have quite a few charger friends that live here in Hawaii. So I'm sure, and all of them that I've asked are like extremely excited about Jim Harbaugh coming in, what they have to hopefully I mean, the dude just wins. set, set them up for the next few years and to win now, essentially. All right. We're going to step aside. When we come back, we will change to the hard court. Hardcourt? Hardwood? Hardwood. All the same. <laughs> All the same. It's a little Friday. We're getting weird. All right. <laughs> we'll be back to talk uh, UH and HPU basketball next on Wake Up in the Den. Back to more Wake Up in the Den with Ku'ule Agbayani on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760. Lights and falling. I'm waiting for you, baby. Welcome back to all of you, the beautifulest of all the beautiful people. It's Wake Up in the Den. I am Kuule Ugbayani alongside DJ Polly B. Happy Aloha Friday. We are talking about the beautiful thing that is winning. Woo! Winning! All right. Both University of Hawaii teams winning yesterday. The men who were up first, beat Cal State Fullerton at Titan Gym, 76-68, getting a much-needed win. Got out to a substantial lead and had one for most of the game and then wanted to stress this out down the, down the line. But nonetheless, a win is a win. And of course, the Rainbow Wahine having a very hard-fought win over CSU Fullerton, 66-61. And they were without the services still of Brooklyn Ruers, but also... Imani Perez. So they really had to change up their game plan without those two very, very important key pieces of this squad. And I said it in our group text last night. I'm like, man, if this was during the game, it's like the Rainbow Wahine can really get this win without those players. This is a very, very scary team. Deja Phillips, shout out, had 22 points. My goodness, she was just, it was like Deja. Deja vu. That was good. That was good. <laughs> I Miss... didn't. I didn't mean to do that. But I didn't mean to do that. Kyle Galdera. That was like an accidental Kyle Galdera, actually. <laughs> and but I meant to say deja vu of um the Big West Conference tournament because she kind of had like this and one that was very reminiscent of what happened at the ending of last year's championship game against uh, Cal State or Santa Barbara. You see Santa Barbara. Excuse me. So many Cal States in this conference. That's like, wait a minute. She right. also cooks against Cal State Fullerton oh, every yeah. time it feels like. Yeah. So I don't blame you. So um, before we get into it, you will listen to what was said during the post game, uh, briefly from head coach Laura Beeman, because she did exit the media scrum early. As if you guys watched on TV or at the game, she was wearing 
a mask and just, you know, being extra cautious with stuff going around. And then, but you will also hear Deja Phillips and Melani McBee. All right, Coach, is there an opening statement? Um, I thought it was a great performance. Uh, the, the ladies played uh, <clears throat> incredibly well, um, found a way to win. I think that's what winners do. Deja had an absolutely breakout night, uh, and I'm not surprised. And Melani gave us composure, big, big shots at the free throw line, great defensive effort against uh, some post players that were bigger. Um, but just great voices on the court. So, you know, like I said, winners find a way to win. And uh, these guys got it done tonight, so I could not be more proud. Uh, Deja, maybe just, you know, obviously a big night for you, especially in the fourth quarter, but just another tight game down to the to the final seconds for you guys. What um what do you think was the key tonight that allowed you guys to escape with the win? Um, talking, um, being aggressive and um, having each other's back. Um, was going to help us this game, knowing that um, we don't have some of our post players, and uh, me and May had to step up and play four and five. Um, yeah, really, just talking and um, having each other's back, and kind of going at them, like have, going at the post, being a guard. Mm-hmm. And then just to follow up, you know, you guys had to deal with their posts on the defensive end, but on the offensive end, one of their posts had to guard you guys, and you kind of found yourself against their 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 bigs. What just kind of was your mindset when you saw yourself a lot of times at the top of the key, big trying to guard you? What are you thinking in those moments? Well, I'm thinking shot fake and get them up in the air and go to the basket. But if they're not going to come off the come out the air, then um, pull up game. Um, I'm also thinking about getting my teammates open. So I'm looking at the collapse and where they're coming from to see um, the next window that will be open to get my teammate the easiest shot possible. Well, Melani, just talk about your game tonight. Just how important was it for you to just be aggressive and maintain the game Kind of like Day just said, because we're missing our post play, um, we knew we had to step up. And I think we we did a pretty good job holding ourselves um, to their post play. Um, And so that was going through my mind and playing for each other. Obviously, you guys uh, shot 66.7 from the free throw line. Just how important was that? Um, we shoot a lot of free throws in practice, so it's on our minds all the time. Um, I think knowing that you're going up to the line to just not think about the free throw itself, just shoot, shooting the ball like a normal shot, and I think that's what happened towards the end of the game. Was it any tougher after? I think you guys have missed maybe four in a row at one point, just to steady it, settle it when they started having to fail you guys? Yeah, uh, just taking your time, slowing it down, knowing that it's all right if you miss. Like, we got each other's backs on the defensive end, so. You mentioned you guys playing the four and the five, and obviously without the two bigs, but just kind of specifically, Melani, what, what do you guys, like, what do you have to do with both of them out there? Like, I mean, every single person was in the key at some point, banging around with people, but just what is the ultimate goal in trying to, you're obviously not going to be able to do what Imani and Brooklyn do, but how do you kind of try to just make up for their absence in any way possible? I think kind of just throwing them off their post play a little bit, getting them off the block a little more, um, and pushing them out. Uh, other than that, if, you, if they do get a deep seal, which they did at some parts of the game, I think knowing that my teammates have my back, and we have each other. We always have each other's back. But knowing that they have my back um, when the ball got inside, that's a big, um, big goal for us. As for Deja, you know, uh, get a big three and over 
minute and a third, just how big was that? Obviously, you know, again, season high is winning two points, rebound, three steals, just your game, just how aggressive you had to be, and put that big three uh, over a minute and a third, just kind of um, well, Coach K was telling me that um, this team couldn't guard me at all, one through five. So <laughs> it was more of like just taking advantage of what what they can't do. Like, um, for example, the post coming out to their perimeter and knowing that they that's not what they practice every day in practice, like our post. Um, bringing them out and then having to guard Hezzies and um, just getting taken off the dribble, I think, was very hard for them. Um, so being able to do that again and getting my teammates open and just scoring in general, I think helped us and um, just being aggressive in general, uh, going to the basket and doing what we have to do to get the W. You've had a lot of success um, versus Fullerton. You know, you're talking good talk about the Big West Conference tournament, just how successful you were in that game, how pretty much related to you that. Um, what is it about Fulton? I guess you have a lot of success, success um, against that team. Uh, I guess you could say it goes back to um, home. Anaheim Hills is kind of my home. Um, I was raised there, and Fullerton's in Orange County. So I guess you can say it's more of a, um, it's my home, yeah, personal. It's personal. Uh, <laughs> protecting my home. Guys, what can you say about uh, Irvine on? this next game and, uh, you know, first place, uh, at least for the moment, on the line also. You know, they're an aggressive team, but I think we're just as aggressive, and I think it'll be a good game Saturday. I think us keep being aggressive and um, doing what we need to do to um, get our teammates to be successful. Everybody's stepping up like how they did today um, on the defensive end and offensive end, I think will lead us to success back like how I did it in Irvine. Yep. Oh yeah, there's a lot of season left, but um, you know, as competitors, um, how motivating is Saturday? Um, you know, playing for first place, um, even if it is still early. I don't like losing. So being, I'm super competitive. Um, I think it's very important um, because we're going into the second half of season and I know that Hawaii wants to win conf uh, season and conference. So, um, just um, what is it? like staying focused and um, going into practice tomorrow and switching it because they are two completely different teams. So um, locking back in and going back over scout for them. I think also too knowing that we uh, missed an opportunity to defend home court last year, and so knowing what they had to prepare for this week is going to be personal and so i think it's going to be like i said it's going to be a good game saturday do you feel like there's any given pressure just knowing what you guys want to accomplish this year and just knowing you guys want the second half of the season is there any pressure like okay we're really gonna have there's no pressure um we don't necessarily have anything to lose i mean we have a target on our backs of course from going back to back but um as a pressure, no, I don't think there's any pressure. Um, just play basketball. Yeah, this is a veteran team, um, and I think we, we've been in these positions before, and I think we can handle ourselves and play as a team and win as a team. And I love this team. And that was Deja Phillips and Melani McBee from the Rainbow Wahine basketball team coming off of that win last night over Cal State. 
Fullerton 66-61. And again, without the services of Imani Perez and still without Brooklyn Ruers, who we haven't seen in quite a few games already. Nonetheless, they grinded it out. They changed up their game plan as you should without having some key bigs and going through or just matching up perfectly, doing what they needed to do, coming out with that big win. And again, I say it all the time. This team is a a fun team to watch and they find ways to win. You guys have to come out and support. Uh, I will throw out a little shout out though to Cal State Fullerton's Ashley Lewis, who looked incredible. She's she scored 25 points. They're big, but hey, Paul said it like off air. It's like, well, if we don't have our bigs, then clearly their center should do what she was meant to do. And she did. But the University of Hawaii is still coming out on top, which sets up a key game tomorrow, you guys. So we hope to see you at the Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center. I know we've been promoting Beeman's Big Bash on the Feb- on February 17th when they play UC Santa Barbara. However, with that win last night, UH sits at uh, tied for first in the Big West Conference with UC Irvine, both at eight and two. And UC Irvine coming into town tomorrow, who we already beat, but we need to get that season sweet sweep for the lone top of the Big West Conference. And UC Santa Barbara is right behind Hawaii right now at seven and three. But Beeman's Big Bash, I get it. We want to break the record of 4,000 plus. But we want to see you guys out tomorrow. We need you to come out, get loud, cheer on this Rainbow Wahine squad so that they can get sole possession of the top spot in the Big West Conference. Show up for these ladies. That's fun basketball. And I said it yesterday. Tickets are only $7 for adults, $5 for the young at heart. You have no excuse. For the cakey, like all the way up to high school age, it's free. It's cheaper than going to the movies, and it's and more fun. Way more like fun. just straight up, it's more fun. It's so much go fun. to these games, support these young women who really they put in a ton of work. Koo, you're right. I know we're pushing Beeman's Big Bash, and we will continue to push mm-hmm. Beeman's Big Bash. February seventeenth, show up against UC Santa Barbara. Going to be a huge, massive, massive game. But we have a great practice run this Saturday mm-hmm. against UC Irvine. And Irvine, I mean, they come into this week, they've only had to play one game. They got to get a win via forfeit last night because Cal Poly was unable to to play. So they get a 2 nothing win, don't have to play at all, and come to the islands with just one game on their mind, with prep on their mind for one team, and that is the defending back-to-back Big West tournament champion, Rainbow Wahine, and uh, don't think Laura Beeman's squad isn't ready for this one as well. Has forgotten about the fact that the Anteaters came into their house last year and took it. I or Melani McBee, you heard it in the post game availability where she she mentions how hey, you know this one's a little bit personal. We remember what last year was, how we let an opportunity mm-hmm. slip through our fingers, and how Irvine took that from us. Well, guess what? Now you have an opportunity for payback. Saturday's that chance, and you beautiful people should be there to watch it and witness it because, man, oh, man, it should be a lot of fun. And they feed off the crowd, right? They're going to – well, the good thing – the thing that I love about this squad is that they find ways internally to win. Like, you always have a player that's going to step up. On the men's side, it gets a little wishy-washy, but, like, last night we had someone like Deja – I was like, you know what? I'm just going to take this game. And, and it's not like it's not in a selfish way. It's just in a way that, hey, 
I'm feeling it. Like, I'm going to take over this game and I'm going to do what I need to do for my team. And Coach B has said it multiple times before that these ladies like celebrate each other. They celebrate when each other is having that hot streak of a game. We saw even Lily start to step up last night, who we are used to, to her coming in clutch. Missed a couple of free throws. Fortunately, that didn't matter down the stretch. But, you know, Coach Cool was dying inside and Paul Brecht wanted to remind everybody of that in his tweet <laughs> last night. But it's OK. It's still a win and it didn't come down to it. But you could see how Coach B was still talking to Lily, like, don't worry about it, like shake it off. And in my mind, I was thinking the same thing, too. Just it's OK. It, it, it missed. But you know what? They're going to fight through it. And they did. You guys, you got to come out and support this squad. So we hope to see you tomorrow Again, at the Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center. Just seven bucks for all of the adults out there and for all of our adults of age. That just leaves more money for, you know, the adult beverages that you can enjoy responsibly, of course, and Uber if it's, it's Saturday. <laughs> so Uber down there. But more more in the budget to just enjoy, have a good time, come out and support these ladies. And again, you can bring your entire family, all the cakey because the cakey are free. I need to keep reminding people because I think they forget that. You can bring your entire, you bring your youth team, bring everybody, bring, call everyone up, everyone with the kids, bring everybody to the Simplify Arena Stand Sheriff Center and get loud for this Rainbow Wahine squad as they take on UC Irvine for a battle of the top spot in the Big West Conference. And obviously everything matter. It'll matter more once we get to the tournament. But if you can just end up at the top so that way, just like how they did a couple of years ago, Regular season champs, tournament champs. Deja, Let's go. Deja said it in the post game of Ale last night. That's their goal. That mm-hmm. is what they have their eye on. And to do that, you got to stay consistent. You got to keep winning and you got to keep playing your best basketball when the best teams come to town. That's exactly what's happening this Saturday after a really fun day on Thursday. A win for the Rainbow Wahine that came on the heels of a win for the men on the continent as well, mm-hmm. which was super exciting to see. So a 2-0 and day for UH on Thursday, which it's been a little bit since we've been able to say that, Koo. <laughs> yeah, that's what it feels that way. Whew. Again, down the stretch, we wanted to get a little scary, but at least they ripped that Band-Aid off and finally get that win over Cal State Fullerton in their house, the men that is, because it was starting to look a little grim there. But they came out, they, they had that chip on their shoulder, they're like, we are not going to lose to the Titans again. They got the, the team that piano keeps, off their back. <laughs> the, the team that keeps kicking us out of the tournament as well. So fortunately, they were able to close it out. Again, the men win 76-68. Majority of that game was essentially a blowout. So that was good to see as well. Noel Coleman led uh, the Rainbow Warriors in scoring with 21. Whew. Sorry, I'm just like, I'm so relieved that they won that game. It was a big-time win. In a lot of ways, it was a big-time win. We talked with Coach Ganat after the win this past Saturday against Cal Poly, and it, it felt as though the Rainbow Warriors had started to figure things out once again in that, and that's what you saw once again here this past Thursday on the road and against a team that has had their number the past three years. They finally finally pick up that win against the Titans, like you mentioned. And now, for the first time since Big West play started, the Bows have won back-to-back games. That's a big-time thing as well. We Mm -hmm. talk about it with HPU basketball, how if the men's team, they want to compete towards the top of the Pac-West, they need to stack wins. Well, 
if Hawaii men's basketball wants to put themselves in a much better position because there's still time to put themselves in a really good position come Big West tournament time. They got to start stacking wins. That's what they did this past Thursday, coming up with a big-time victory over Cal State Fullerton on the road, and now an even bigger one coming up on Saturday against Irvine, who had a 14-point victory on the road against Cal Poly this past Thursday as well. Yeah, so Hawaii on the men's side, currently 7th in the Big West Conference, and they will go to UC Irvine, who is currently at the top of the conference, sitting at 9-1 and and undefeated at home. So that's a big thing, too, that the Rainbow Warriors are going to face. And UC Irvine, we talk about it all the time. It's kind of like the team that we love to hate in a way. I know hate's a strong word, but I can't think of any other They're word the right now. Patriots, but... <laughs> the Chiefs, the <laughs> yeah. whatever you want to call it. Well, the just ones Russell who are Turner is just like the most annoying head coach. And... Oh, so he's I know, all the time. I know like my group text of our basketball fans and friends, we just like to chuckle at Russ Turner all the time. So that's another big reason why we always have fun rooting against UC Irvine in any way possible. But they're 9-1 for a reason, so Hawaii's going over there. Big game, sitting at 4-6. and six. At least CSUN set it off a little bit. CSUN is right ahead of Hawaii in the standings at 4-6 and six as well, along with Cal State Fullerton and CSU Bakersfield. All right, getting some quick updates now for our Division II friends. As Paul mentioned, with Hawaii Pacific University men's basketball, able to come out with a win at Westmont, 82-79. And the men's basketball squad at HPU, right up there at the top half of the PacWest standings at sitting at four. So they're seven and four in conference sitting behind Biola, who is nine and four Academy of Art is two at uh, nine and three. And then Point Loma at the top of the PacWest at 10 and three. But I mean, we got to give all the credit in the world to Jesse Nakanishi and what he's been able to do so far at that conference because, or in the, at HPU and in this conference slate, because essentially feeling like a complete program turnaround. And it is only his first season. So and <laughs> Coach Jesse and his squad doing, though, what they like to do and squeaking out those wins. Again, the Westmont oh win, 82-79. Stressful, stressful team. <laughs> I swear. I didn't, we got to go back and look exactly. But it feels like almost all of the games in this season, especially the conference games, even before conference, it's like every game five points or less. That, then you have overtime. Well, I was going to say, that feels like, what, maybe their third, fourth, <laughs> potentially fifth yeah. overtime game this year. And no matter what, they are always competing right down to the wire. They also saw the return of Matthew Van Komen last night, which was nice for them. He's on a minutes restriction for now, but seven foot four center back in action. And like you said, sitting in fourth place, they're in prime position to continue competing in the Pac West. But they, our Kyle Galdera has mentioned it on our broadcast before. They have that big-time West Coast road trip coming on up where they're going to have to go against those top teams in the conference and beat them at their place should they want a top-two seed come the PacWest tournament. All right. We have a little bit more or a little time left, so I want to make sure I get this in when it comes to the baseball season. As I mentioned yesterday, uh, Shamanan and HPU in action for their baseball squads. Uh, however, there was a lot of rain delays. So uh, the oh, Sharks were up on Cal State LA 5-3, but it was halted in the 7th. So a bunch of makeup games go to GoSwords.com and click on their baseball schedule for all the games going on today. But we got to go. So have a great weekend. For Paul Brecht, I'm Kule Agbayani. Bye!